pre-taped from his office. Or his bedroom. Or his mom's basement. Or, well, wherever the hell he is. Welcome to the only place where you can be smart on the internet. A really smart podcast with Tommy. Hey, what is up, my Tomettes? What is up? It's Thomas Smart, live in New York. Well, not really live, but pre-taped from my office slash bedroom. Anyway, what's going on, guys? What's going on? It's Tommy. This is my podcast. A really smart one at that. Welcome to it. I'm doing this late at night. It's about 1227 a.m. Roommates, I think, are asleep of some kind. And, um, but wanted to get this uh, um out so everybody has kind of something to nice on while we have our uh, toaster strudel and stuff like that. Anyway, what's going on, guys? Um, so today, does anybody even eat toaster strudel? I remember, um, you know, I had the Pillsbury Doughboy, you know, doing that thing. And that was mildly amusing, but uh, he had, um, yeah, right? That was the toaster strudel guy, right? I think so. Yeah, because the it was supposed to bird doughboy and the guy that would you would push his belly button and go, Hoo-hoo. Um mm. well, so, so toaster And that was Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> toaster strudel. My mom would never let me eat that shit. <laughs> I always wanted it, but she would never let me eat that before school, which I don't really Honest to God, I won't even blame her, honestly, but... Registered trademark in July of 28th, 1992. All right. His toaster strudel discontinued. In Tehran, we're starting to disappoint. However, our Danish-style cream cheese toaster strudels were recently discontinued. Oh, wow. Okay, so... Yeah, if you're in Denmark, you can't get a... Or Tehran, you can't get a toaster strudel. Okay, well, I'll make sure I never go to Tehran then shows up there or anything like that. Anyway, what is up, guys? Hey, guys. So today we got Julian Fevry on the podcast. Julian Fevry. He is a regular at uh, Broadway Comedy Club. And he's done a couple of podcasts, which I don't think he's doing it at the moment, but he's starting up a new one. I think we just, he mentions during our talk, it's like Julian's mind or something. Basically, he does a lot of crazy things that talks to a bunch of crazy people. Which is very um, <coughs> amusing of that. So it's a good talk. He, I was, I met him yesterday. We ran an open mic, working out some new jokes because I have a couple of shows coming up at the end of the month. Um, I um, so I wanted to figure out some new material and you know me, I'm yeah, I talk to you guys kind of plainly. I don't plan to be blame you know pretend to be like a successful comic. You know, I'm still in my developing years and trying to do my thing and you know it's been fun a lot of fun but uh trying to just get better as a joke writer and you can only do that by getting back in the gym at these mics um shows are great but i mean shows you don't want to do too much new new shit so i go to um a mic yesterday freddy's bar in brooklyn a good spot and i see julian fevery and julian and i are talking and he sends me a copy of a of a book which he 
basically wanted me to keep on the DL. <laughs> he was like, this will change your life, bro. And so I took, um, I'm still reading it now. I'm halfway through it, but I was up about 70 pages in yesterday when we had this conversation, he and I. So we talked a little bit about it. So that's kind of context of the book that we're referencing and uh, the joke structure there. Um, so there's that. And it's a good talk, comics talk. You know, just we had somebody drop on the podcast, so we were able to get some a friend in and some talk shop. So that was pretty fun about it as well. So Julian will be up in a minute. Um today, I wanted to get on my calendar here for a second, I'm going to be on the Please Give a Fup comedy show in uh, December 11th, that's a Sunday, over at the Crystal Lake Bar in Brooklyn, 7pm, all the money collected for it, um, probably the $10 for tickets or whatever they charge will be given to the some charity fund, please go see that for uh for uh, more information there. And then I just found out on the 21st of December, I'll be on the Yeah Brothers comedy show in Bayside, Queens. Please be on the lookout for a poster coming my way, your way, everybody's way. And in the 29th, I'll be at the Talon Bar. December 29th, I'll be at the Talon Bar in uh, Brooklyn for the No Exit Comedy Show. I'll be at 9 p.m. And I will be at another show, I believe, in Washington, D.C. on the 20th at the Public Bar, which will be another private event. Well, that's the thing. You can't go to that that thing because it's a private fundraiser. But I'll be performing there as well. It's a couple of D.C. guys. And, uh, there's talks of me being on a disabled comics, um, a themed comedy show on the 17th of December, waiting on more details on there, but there's some talk about it. And we'll be all there in real time. Can you guys dig it? Yes, we can. Yeah. Earlier today, I actually looked up last comic standings. I thought to myself, I should, uh, I should send in my, uh, <laughs> I was like, I should apply to that thing. And then I realized, oh, wait, last comic standing hasn't been a thing for six years. Um, yeah, I'm just looking it up now. I did not know this at the time, but I looked it up and saw that, yeah, uh, last comic standing hasn't been around for about, Oh, wow. Eliza is 39. Eliza Schlesinger. Sorry, I'm just looking up Eliza Schlesinger. And we find out that, oh, wow, she was an um, elder millennial was her uh, was her um, thing. That's pretty funny. Um, that's being said, so I was, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, cause she was a winner of that a show in Back in 2008. Oh, good for her. Eliza. Ask Eliza. Ask Eliza anything. She, that's her podcast, I think. Um. Anyway, so yeah, she was a winner. And I was I was thinking like, yo, I should 
fucking send in my uh, a tape to be considered for that. Then I realized, oh shit, they're not even they don't even do it anymore. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> well, I've been under a rock. Um, alrighty then. Okay, so, uh, so we'll have Julian in in a moment. But one last thing I wanted to tell you guys. So as you know, I've been working out and fasting and eating healthy, um, and it hasn't been hard. But I will say, I just had it in my head. Let me just do a day where I do surplus of calories. I'll just eat whatever I want to eat. And I did. And basically, I just gorged myself with pizza. Yeah. So, a couple of things. I've been really into this um, uh, Barstool Sports. Um, you know, one by pizza reviews that Dave Portnoy's done. He's gone viral doing them. I'm sure you guys have heard of them. Anyway, I found them to be really, really, really entertaining. Really entertaining. And I like pizza. And I like small businesses. And so rating pizza of a pizzeria, uh, you know, a pizzeria in uh, around the world, um, which in my mind is the ultimate small business, um, was pretty, A, entertaining to watch and fun to talk about. Because pizza's kind of like coffee to the non-pizza eater. You know, it's there's many different ways of having coffee. And everybody has their, you know, taste. Um, what's their style? It's a little bit different than coffee. But you kind of see what I mean. How, like, it's how, how do you take it? How do you like it? You know, and um, it's comforting for you. Um, so I tried a lot of different kinds of pizza. I will say, when I was growing up, and for those of you born in Chicago, grew up outside of Baltimore, um, and family was New Yorkers, so I have those re- those references. Um, I bring that up just because so pizza was different, different in different spots, and I grew up thinking like the pizza in outside of Baltimore was actually pretty good, Com- you know, pretty decent. Um, it's not New York style, but it's uh, you know. You don't get the job done. And then um, I moved up to New York permanently and had pizza, you know, all throughout the city, Long Island, Queens, um, you know, uh, even in some parts of Jersey. And I'll be honest, that's a terrible comparison, Maryland to New York pizza. But, excuse me, uh, but to be said, to be fair, you know, they do all right. Um so I had a lot of different kinds, and my favorite is John's on Bleecker. That was my uncle George, the one who passed on in in March. That was his favorite, and it was pretty good. Pizza there was kind of a thin crust, um, um, um and really good. And tonight I tried uh, Joe and Pat's, the New York location. They have the original Joe Pat's in Staten Island, actually, or on Staten Island. You see, it's on Staten Island, probably on on Staten Island, which is apparent, which is really good. And the New York location is just as good, I think, personally. Um, and so I tried that, and that was pretty, pretty fantastic. Paper thin crust, like paper thin. Almost like crackers, I'll be honest with you. And some people might not like that. Because I think when I was growing up, 
the pizza we have is kind of doughy. Uh, you know, doughier um, crust on top. So, and but the sauce was very good. I think I realized I'm a sauce guy. I really like like if you bite into something into a slice of pizza, you get a lot of sauce. So that's uh, pretty fucking great. Anyway, so Joe, all right, my own personal review. Um, eight nine. I put John's on Bleaker on nine seven. If I were going by like what I would have believed would be Dave Portnoy standards, which means if it's in the nines, it's pretty much the greatest pizza ever. You almost never get a ten. Ten rating, and most pizza falls in the sixes. But if you get like a seven, it's actually pretty decent. So. If I'm saying like eight point nine pizza, like that's pizza, like worth worthy traveling for. My humble opinion. I could be wrong there, but I think I'm pretty pretty fucking right there. In fact, I think I am right there. I'm just gonna put it down there. I'm right there. Yeah, I'm right. Yeah. It beats a beats. Uh, but then again, too, there. That's. I could. I was just thinking, like, I want to do a show up at Connecticut so I can try this New Haven pizza. I really have to. Anyway, want to at least. Alrighty then. Uh, I feel like I've babbled enough. Let's get Julian here. And, of course, Dinchowski will take us out. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Uh, be on the lookout for more shows. Shows, shows that I'm on. Because they'll be coming around the mountain when they come. When they come, we'll be coming around the mountain when they come. When they come. Amen. Alright, so. This is me and Julian Juju Fevry talking about podcasting and joke writing on a really smart podcast. Mm-hmm. And here we are with uh, Julian Fevry, which I wish we could just do Julian. How you know how we how like podcasts are just rolling the conversation midstream and. Oh yeah. People yeah, freak yeah. out like where where are we? What's going on? <laughs> but uh yeah, dude. Uh we were talking about Rogan how yeah, the dude's had enough time to have his material incubate. I mean look, I, I mean I'll say this. He he definitely knows what he's like doing. I mean, like this is this is clearly he's at the peak of not just peak, but he's just at been at the top of this mountaintop, we can say for a while. Mm-hmm. So like regardless of what I say, it really in the long run isn't going to matter as much but i will say that like he hasn't been able to drop that many things because of his podcast which i don't know if it's necessarily a detriment i mean he is like a good jillionaire at this point mm-hmm. but you know i mean as a stand-up he gets to really just pick and choose and he, and i think when there's a certain point in stand-up where you like get to an age where you're still doing stand-up but you don't have to do it as much and mm-hmm. you're kind of like you, you know the mechanisms you know your style you know your stuff and he has a kid. He has a family. That shit is crazy. Yeah, he has daughters. Um, yeah, I yeah. I don't know their names, and I don't know his wife's name. But he, <laughs> yeah, he has an entire life that he doesn't really talk too much about on a podcast, which I kind of admire him for, honestly, oh. be able to keep his uh, his uh, um, personal life. I mean, really personal life, home life. Let's put it that way. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Out, out, out of the way, yeah. But then you realize, like, 
oh yeah, he has two daughters. <laughs> He's not running around with a soul patch trying to still figure him out himself. Oh. Out. So, so I can see, I can see he's he's got things together. You yeah, know? no, you know, yeah. There, there's a certain point too where like you know people attack him for being misogynistic, which I don't really see, but uh, mm-hmm. some people do, and I'm like, he has two teenage daughters and is married. So I mean, I you know that should changes you. I mean, I'm not saying he can be an angel, but he's not out there being, you know, whack. But I think he's trying to do it. I, when I was out there uh, yeah. in Austin, I saw him do 45 minutes. Oh, wow, you saw it? Okay, so how was it? Great. Uh, I thought, you know, it was a couple of things. One, it was just the, oh, wow, Joe Rogan. And this was, like, right after people tried to cancel him. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So he was the most famous man in the world at that point and uh which was wild and um so it was kind of like that like oh my god it's joe rogan holy shit and i never really watched his stand-up before yeah so i thought like wow he's actually much better than people say that he is (laughs) he's actually really you know he is a good stand-up i mean back in his old uh his old stuff when he was doing it i forgot where but it's like him when he was like super young he had this he had a, a couple bits that were very, um, uh, well, I'll say this. The style of comedy back then is so different because there wasn't room for many, as many different perspectives as there are right now. Mm. Like, people would go up and try to do, like, sort of, uh, and people still do it, but they do, like, reincarnations or they try to mimic what older comics have done prior to. And back mm-hmm. then, there weren't that many comics. <laughs> like, you had, like, mm-hmm. the top. 50 who were all competing but like they were literally the the comics so it's very it's a different world right now at this point so it's kind of like it's kind of fun in all this sense you know holy shit i almost spilled tapatio sauce that's crazy (laughs) but um yeah no i I know no i know what you mean there was there was a guy that told me when i was starting out in la that you know like there was like 10 comics doing the thing at one point yeah, and I th- I think this was like, say this was like nineteen sixty seven, I don't know, <laughs> but like a long time ago. He said like there were ten comics, and the tenth one was terrible. You know, the tenth best comic was a terrible comic. Yeah, <laughs> but like the, if you think about the top ten comics now, they're all really fucking good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah, uh, it's 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 weird. Um, I, I yeah, it's um, but. So there's that's cool. It's like I, I don't know. I mean, it makes you makes you think you're not in competition with other people. Like you'd still be great and carve your own niche. It, you know, it's uh comedy is just taken more from like the book of like music. How mm-hmm. like rap artists and SoundCloud artists are popping off. Like literally, mm-hmm. everyone who pops off on YouTube <laughs> is like an old school SoundCloud person. So like <laughs> it's like literally that same congruity can be made. Mm-hmm. But uh, what's interesting about it now is that what I find is that specials now are so interesting because they're everyone. I mean, so many are removing the traditional just stand up and talk. Like, have you seen Neil Brennan's uh, blocks? Oh, no. I saw his three mics, though. Yeah, three so mics. Okay. He, he's always out there. He's, he's one of my favorite comics out there. Mm. Like, end of story, like, he he has an ability to turn anything into, an a joke, into a joke. He understands everything, and he's, like, so, like, I just don't. He's just such a bizarre character, but you can tell that's truly who he is on mm-hmm. certain aspects of like. Obviously, he's performative, but 
there's some aspects where he explores uh, angles way more than he, he just finds different angles that most comics can't find. So mm-hmm. I, I I was watching um, Box and Three Mics; those can be both compared. But mm-hmm. even he makes a joke about in his new special about how his Three Mics uh, made no not his new special and was on a podcast with uh, it was like I think the Clagrant guys. He was there. He was just like. Yeah, you know, I'm just up with a mic going like, me, 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 you know, but he always, he always finds a different way to like, um, it's just this new form of comedy, kind of like mm. being more artistic with it now. And so now I'm like, ah, shit, now there's another thing I got to know how to do, you know? Oh, <laughs> like, oh, I, I see what you mean. Like, it's, I don't know, like, like, I don't want to say like, like people would say like Hannah Gatsby. I never watched her st- uh, stuff. You know? But I heard it's like more like a TED talk than it is like a comedy. I'll say this. I'll say this. Uh, okay, I think yes in some ways, but also I don't know. I I think specials are really dictated by the comic for what they want to present to their audience, like what they've been working on. And I'll tell you what: if she's running around clubs, venues, doing this set mm-hmm. across the board, like because it's 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 like. Uh, I guess a lot of people don't know, like most comics, they go on the road for a long time to build up material for their special. Right. Mm -hmm. And so with Hannah, it must have been really insane going to like clubs all across everywhere, really, and then doing it. And then I'm, I'm curious as to what her thought was like of the special versus what she was like doing it on the road. Because mm. special night, you're just you're like, all right, this is the work of art. This is the piece. This is what's gonna happen. But then, you you go up there, maybe two recordings, three 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 recordings of it, all shite. Mm-hmm. And then that's all you have to work with. And then she's gonna put it out. It's like fuck it, I got a Netflix special, you know. Mm. So I I don't know. It's 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 a hard thing. I I don't like to say necessarily like comics are either bad or good. I mm. just think that like. If you if you can see comics implementing like structure, implementing like punchlines, doing certain things, and then if there's a certain point to it, then you know fuck it, like let them do what they want to do. Like I'm not gonna, I I'll make jokes about it, of course, but it's not like no one really like fucking it's like oh my god, it's the worst in the world. She you know she hates her demographics and that's decent, you know. Well okay, yeah yeah no it, it's fine. I think it's just we get a little. Now I haven't watched it, but I just heard it was more like yeah. Um, part where she cries and she kind of like <laughs> was yeah. dramatic about some things and uh, it was kind of yeah. preachy and then, at and then some in the, in the terms and, of like uh, a in terms of a what? Sorry, broke up there. No, I mean in terms of comedy, yeah, it, it doesn't really yeah line up. So I can see why people mm. can make those comments, you know. Well, okay, okay, and okay. So I mean, I think just with us, we're just Real purists come from like set up joke, set up joke, set up joke, go set up punchline, set up punchline, set up punchline, and when something deviates from that, it kind of we're like, oh, but that's just oh, they're doing something different. It's not stand up, but <laughs> it is stand up, yeah, you know, in a in a weird way. Um, at least that's how I, I see it as. Um, but uh, that's it. So I mean, over time, like how since we, you you were on the podcast. And you seem like you're like a whole rock star now. Oh um, no, no, that's a, no, 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 <laughs> no, nah, not at all, brother. Now I'll, I'll say this: <laughs> I, I, I've been getting more spots, which is great, you know, mm-hmm. and I've been getting up more. But um, what's good for me is that now I kind of I've done it enough 
where now I feel like I'm starting to just hear my voice on stage. Like literally, I just just get that point where I'm like, oh shit, this mm-hmm. is the shit I want to talk about. So, okay. you know, I, I've been working out bits that are so specific. Like I, I, I realize what it is like with me because um, like I'm a, I'm a black dude, right? So you go mm-hmm. up, you can do a lot of like racial humor and I do do some parts of that, right? But mm-hmm. I think what always interested me was like the the comics that were on top like chris tucker chris rock martin lawrence will bellamy like freaking oh but bill bellamy was um was uh, cousin skeeter right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) like everyone knows that bernie mac that moment where he's just like i'm not scared you motherfucker like scared you motherfuckers like all of this right uh what i noticed about all of these great comedians is that they are able to get so specific with jokes you know mm-hmm. so like that's was what my goal is for premises and now i'm like talking about how like paranormal investigators don't investigate abortion clinics or i don't i'm talking about like i'm, I'm talking about things that like are truly um i guess specific things that i'm seeing and mm. that's when you're like oh i can really shape my voice around it mm. i think when you first like when we're first starting we start writing really generally so they're like, ah, like, like last, like last night. Oh, that was so crazy. We were at the Freddy's and I oh, was yeah, just that like, was, that was terrible. Oh my uh, God. A, a dude <laughs> opens up. He's first, is he like the first guy to go up or second guy? I don't know. The he was first the first guy. guy. Miguel, oh my right? God. Yeah. I don't he know this up. Miguel. Huh? Yeah. I didn't know who this Miguel was, but I know his oh, name yeah. Miguel. I mean, dude, first guy that goes up goes, so women are stupid, right? And I'm just like that. That's your angle. That's that's like that's what you would open up with. Like, I I know what you're trying to do. Like, okay, fine. Let's see if you're gonna try to be polarizing. But what? And then he just goes, right? Am I right? And I'm just sitting there, and it's just like I can see it's because it's not even about embarrassment or anything. It's just like, what are you saying, my dude? You know? Because any any. Anyone can just get up and start saying shit in front of people, but comics are able to talk about shit a little bit differently, you know? Yeah, yeah. I that's I, I was half paying attention to what was going on. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, then all of a sudden that lady was like, What what the fuck? There's only like three women here. How can you say that? And like I don't know. It, maybe it seemed like it was punching down. I don't know. I but I, I he's I mean he's a newer comic, so he doesn't he's not like He's just trying out stuff, you know. That's like that's mm-hmm. what the hard part is, and then I think what happens is, is that, um, because then when I go up, right, I went up and I just start off before I even get into my set. I'm just like, I just want to say I like women. That just opened up like a whole bunch of stuff, and I could have just mm-hmm. gone down this rabbit hole. But I was like, okay, I'm gonna do my jokes though. I need to work this out. But yeah, Rehad, like when you were like, except for black women. <laughs> no, no, no. I was like, I, no, I was like, no, no, no. I was like, no, I was like. Uh, I, I love no. I do women. Women are great, you know. They're great, you know. But I that only applies for black women because there are white oh, women oh, in the room. Oh, okay, okay, and my that, bad. And then that murdered too again because it's like, oh, okay, he's doing something else. But it was it was, it was cheeky, you know. It wasn't oh, it, it was it was a joke. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. In that kid's defense, and I don't know who he was. No. That's what a mic is for. You're trying to. Yeah. You're trying different things out, and I and you know. I remember watching something with Louis C.K. about this, how it was like he'll talk about something that's like a 
kind of a touchy sub- subject. Uh, let's just say abortion or something mm. like that, um, or pedophilia. No, pedophilia. That's what yeah. it was. And sometimes he'll he'll go into it, lead into it in a way that he's confident. He knows the joke works, but th- th- but forgets that the material is jarring. Yeah, yeah jarring. Yeah. And then he'll then they'll be like shaking. He'll be like, oh wait, well, no, 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 no. Okay, I forgot. I gotta go into it in a certain different way. Yeah. You know, it was partly not reading the room, and mm. then partly just him not being at a point where he figured out um, how to. Um, What's the setup in a way that's like not like women are stupid, and then you alienate whoever's yeah, you know female. Yeah. That jarring. So I mean, uh, got the kids some slack, but it was awkward afterwards. <laughs> and then um, <laughs> no, that that was the funny part because it, it definitely did get a little like off putting. But but I guess I, I don't know. It, you know, we we all we've all gone through that. But I I just you know what it is. It's like you could tell when someone's like giving a premise versus someone just reciting someone else's premise as they've heard before because mm-hmm. i think what he thought was like he saw someone else do like oh women are stupid <laughs> it's like all right i'm gonna try to do something similar mm-hmm. like i think as we like keep on going on this journey i think obviously you and me we can tell um we we're like narrowing down to not just like stories and stuff like that but just like really focusing in on shit mm-hmm. and like that's i think that's our job as a comics, as a comic, as comics, like really, we just gotta like <laughs> as, a as a comics. It's <laughs> like a new, new fucking uh, pronoun, you know. Yeah, as, as a, a people, you know, as a people's, as, as or, a people's. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I generally speak, generally speaking, you know, obviously, we're this is all just like conversational. But again, you can't. I mean, I I never even felt like even when we both started, we never opened up like that. Like we'd say something crazy, but there was a point. Like there was a the beginning, middle, and end, you know. Yeah, I mean, I I was when I started, and I started even before I met, met you. I had been mm-hmm. doing it for like a year and a half. Yeah. Um, when I started in L- in L.A., and even when I was in L.A., I'm not saying like I mean I wasn't I won't say I was good off the bat, but I was yeah. very used to public speaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was used to um speech writing and. And being on the radio, so it, it wasn't crazy that I could get on stage and talk and and tell a story and or something like you know or communicate with people. Yeah. So so I felt like I was already had a leg up. Um, it's that some comics didn't have uh, mm-hmm. specifically uh, those who um, hadn't had a um, um, a performance background before. Yeah. So um, yeah. So I don't think like I was ever. And I remember too, even when I was in LA, I worked at a movie theater, right? I worked at a, um, I worked at a, um, in hospitality, and mm. hospita- and so the days when I went to a mic after um, working the concession stand or the box office, I was already <laughs> like much more like out of my shell and uh, and and jokey and yeah. charismatic. So I did a lot better back then. Uh, but kind of leading into what we were talking about before, like, you know, I don't know necessarily about my joke writing, how great my joke writing was. I know it can go up and make people laugh, but I didn't know mm. how sophisticated what I was doing was. You um, know, I, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I, I think honestly, like, because uh, you, you have a lot of things to talk about. And so, like, that, that's a very clear statement. I think you have a, you, you have a unique perspective on things that, like, mm-hmm. I think that um, once, because, I think we we all can work on the things that we're weak weakest at, but for some odd reason, I think with stand up, as long as you just keep on writing, 
and you mm-hmm. keep on getting up and then you keep on get you start getting like pointed in the right direction then you mm-hmm. have no choice but to be good and to be mm-hmm. successful that's just how i think with stand up nowadays like before you couldn't say that shit now i you can say that um what was different about it back like 25 years ago I think that there were so many probably amazing comics. Like, they were probably, like, top-tier comics, but a lot of them were comics that were from, you know, maybe... Like, even, like, comics had to come to New York to get even a chance at something, like, from Boston. Or they, Hmm. like, you know, even from... I know we had L.A. and New York, but middle America. Like, Missouri, there's some great... uh, There's a comic called The Raging Cajun. Dude, he's insane, dude. Oh, it's a dude, not a club. Okay. No, no, it's a dude. It's a dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a dude, Louisiana comic. He's insane, like, Mm. along the Southern Circuit, but he never posts. He never really does anything. But, like, there are comics like that back then that were just, like, so good in their area Mm -hmm. that they they would literally go anywhere and they would sell out. Like, they were always sold out. Mm. And that's what I think is still happening with certain comics. But... I think there's just this new empire of comics where um, our generation now can all eat. But I think there's going to be a point where that part is going to get saturated. Like, I mean, you see the clips already, right? I'm Mm -hmm. dropping clips. Everyone's just dropping clips. Just Mm -hmm. for no reason, just to get like some viral hits. And then, and then it becomes addictive because every time you see that, like, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm doing something good. I'm doing something good. But you can just be completely shitty at it. You know? Yeah. But no one really gives a shit. Yeah, that's why I don't do it that much. Yeah, uh, maybe I should, but I I, tr- I drop enough like the big important things, mm. like when I um when I did that uh, audition at Broadway and uh, yeah. and I had stuff I could I could chop up and post, mm. um and then when I had like my four year anniversary and I was on the road, um yeah I posted that and that got ten thousand hits and I was like holy shit ten thousand, <laughs> and I see people reposting it and I was like holy shit. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, no, I don't think like, you can call that going viral, but like, no, still, no, like, it, that's a lot of people. No, tank, tank, like, the idea of going viral now is not like, oh, like, viral nowadays is like you need like seven million people to check, but Damn. you can still go viral, like, hitting like the thousands because mm-hmm. that can get you followers, that can get you stuff too. So, and it, it did, yeah, and it did, right? So, it, you know, it, it being. It's about how consistently – well, it's not even about how consistently viral you can be. It's just honestly, there's still this idea where I, I truly believe this. I, I'm in here for like longevity, right? I just don't want to pop off mm-hmm. and then like not have the skills to foster a career because that's mm-hmm. what comedy is. Like stand-up is a career. It's yeah. not something – and we do stand-up as a thing, a part of it, but it's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. So – when looking at it like that, you don't want to. Obviously, you don't want to get too like caught up in what can happen later. Whatever you want to be present, but mm-hmm. you don't want to. You know, you you want to be there and enjoy the ride. That's mm-hmm. for sure. And okay, yeah. No, I think you're right about that. But you know, it, and it is everything we're doing is to build towards a body of call it half hour, forty five minutes, an hour of work that you could put out at one time. You know, yeah. whether that be you call it a special or an hour. So, yeah, I mean, you need to, I don't know, I, I think that just that little going viral thing because of this one clip of this one joke or this, or not even really a joke, just some crowd work. Um, 
and then you kind of blow up from there and you get and you kind of get like t- you know some kind of tv thing or some whatever is kind of like i mean it, it's good for exposure but yo i was on a sh- i saw no, on a show i was hanging out at a show the other day and it it wasn't like a bad setup of uh of um of a show but it was just the comics on there had all been on like netflix is a joke um you know a tv show which show it was a show called um i don't know if uh, i guess it was something in uh long island city okay this at this photo at this photo uh gallery it was not a bad like setup like they mm-hmm. did a good job producing the show yeah but i'm sitting there and the comics on it I didn't laugh once until yeah. the um until the um until the headliner. And the headliner was great. The yeah. headliner was a real comic. But everybody else was um like one one guy was on a show on Netflix, like a series on Netflix. Another girl was um um she wrote for Seth Myers and then they uh and then another girl she um um oh Netflix is a joke. And I was like, "Wow, these are like comics that are like on, t- like on in television. My, they're getting t- yeah, and like, all right, what they're saying isn't not humorous, but really, it was just like one guy told a story about how like he saw like a homeless black man with a white lady, and the white lady like scared him, and he ran into a into a Panera. <laughs> that was like, <laughs> I, I mean, okay, there's." There's definitely like a whole there's a, there's something there. I mean, you can you can make that funny for sure. Yeah, I, I guess what I'm saying is like I I just felt like and and everybody was like 25, 24. They were uh, all very okay. they were all very pretty and they were all mm. and had good stage presence and they were charismatic, but they didn't have. You could tell by their joke writing that it was like, no punchlines and no jokes. It's yeah, not like, like you're hitting them. Yeah, like I'll say this: like everybody who goes to the. Um, uh, comedy mob mics like week after week after week and is 10 times better a comic than any of them were like straight yeah. comic like you know what I mean? and you know it's, it's it's very um yeah i mean it's it's like a it's a very i mean we're obviously looking at this from a very purist perspective but it shows right like i remember we, we were where i was at greenwich and uh this kid he was on Funny or Die, right? But he he had like a viral TikTok, TikTok, TikToks, ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And so there was a whole mob of people coming to see him, right? Whoa! Yeah, a lot of people came in to see him, right? Good and him. so we're all in the back. We're like, okay, they're all here to see him. Fine, whatever. Oh my god, the dude goes up, and you can just like see at first everyone's like, oh okay, but then three minutes into the set, they're like, wait, what am I? What am I here for? This oh. guy started to sweat. It was bad, and he just started bombing. Oh wow! And he's then, not. Huh? Is he an actor? Or is he? Uh, he's like I think he like does his sketches on TikTok or something like that. Okay. It's like one of those TikTok followings that have like millions of followers, and then generally speaking, like it was like oh he can get people to come right. They can fill a seat. Oh. I tell you what, man. All the comics stayed to watch this guy's set because it was just so Shit. crazy. Seeing him bomb, and the moment he finished, you could see all the people who came to see him. They all just got up and just left. Damn. And it was just like it was a lot of people who left, and it wasn't even like 
they were laughing either. It was just like a bomb bomb. And so it was this awkward moment where the host comes up. He's like, I try to redo everything, right? But the point is, is that like stand up is a skill set. It's a, it's like a skill set. Podcasting is a skill set. You have to work at these things to get better. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people think it's like the way to becoming something else, which it can operate like that. Mm-hmm. But then you're going to have to reach a point where you're going to be like, huh, am I going to keep on presenting my stand up as like stand up or am I going to be the sketch guy? Am I going to be this? Because there's no there's nothing wrong with it. Like, honestly, mm-hmm. I don't no problem with people who like start stand up like they're not my thing. I'm going to go do some sketches. This, mm-hmm. this is what I like to do more. I don't. That's totally fire. But you can't then start pushing stand up as like your way of being like, oh, this is this is the best me because stand up, you have no choice but to be you, mm-hmm. and it it puts you in a position where you're standing in front of people who don't know who you are or do know who you are, and expectations are set. People mm-hmm. paid to come see you, so mm-hmm. if that's the case, you better have something. That's yeah. just that's the bottom line of this. The, the, the sport of this yeah it's just fucking uh, hilarious yeah and that's just so funny because like uh, i've never experienced that where like i've i mean i've done shows where like there are a couple of guys that follow me on instagram like mm-hmm. who came to see me which was pretty cool but yeah. like nothing like where you're filling in the entire place forget about yeah. it yeah but like that's just wild like they came to see you and like you still <laughs> bomb it's just and it was like horrible too. Like I just it, and you know as a comic you're like okay I've been there I know I know what you're going through you have some empathy but because you're a comic and you know what they're going through you start laughing because like that shit fucking sucks and you're just yeah. like there's no there's even no choice but to laugh. Yeah. But then if you are having people come and pay and now they're like feeling scammed like I I can never I would never forgive myself if I like am scamming like the people that want to come and support me you know mm. that, that's why naturally right now i'm just kind of i'm still building up my craft like i'm I'm seeing it as a craft i'm working at it and it's and it's been very fruitful but when you start looking at like seats getting people coming in shows like touring it's 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 this is a this is a sport it's not it's not just you know willy-nilly oh no no not at all and i'm assuming this guy had material like he had like uh, I I just remember so his first like he opens up with like a uh an incongruity joke where it's like I hi my name is this and I go like this and then I'm half and half this like it's a little laugh it's like okay then afterwards he kind of just like fell into himself because oh yeah he got insecure because yeah. yeah and then on stage and then the audience can feel that you know they feel you being insecure yeah. they feel you all these things. Yeah, and so he's just—I don't know if he was trying to tell jokes, set a punch. I don't know what started happening, but he started just like trying to do crowd work and doing all this extra stuff. And then people were like, "Who the fuck is this kid?" And everyone Damn. on this side was like, uh, "I felt bad, dude. I, I felt bad because I'm like, yeah. shit, man. Like, you know, bombing is one thing, but when you're bombing and then you have people who like you, uh, when bombing when people come to see you specifically, yeah, that's uh, that's." Yeah, shit. It's a shame. I, yeah, it is a shame. I remember, I remember being in L.A. and I was at an open mic, and it was an open mic. It wasn't a show, but the, but they packed it out pretty well. Yeah. Um, the guy, do you remember? Do you are you old enough to remember the show Zoe One One Hundred and One? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The black guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, guy? I remember. Yeah, yeah, Kyle Massey. Yeah. that's just like that's the name. That's, that's him. Yeah, that's him. <laughs> he he showed up and um, 
and did um and did time. Is he funny? <laughs> no. Yeah, I, no. I figured no, I think he was just I don't Trying know. It out. Yeah. I mean I, I kinda think it's like the Will Smith thing before um I mean before oh, the controversy yes. where like he's just such a charming and likable dude, you know, it's like I think he, I forget what he talked about. This is years ago now. But I just remember like, oh, there is like a an actor, someone who's got that chops on stage and is and is uh likable. He did make fun of um Jamie Lynn for ruining their careers by getting <laughs> pregnant. Wait, wait, wait. Oh yeah, because of the baby and stuff? Yeah, because she decided to get pregnant. Pregnant and it's like I remember that I remember when that happened, I was thinking like Oh, so other people know she's hot too. Okay. Oh my. Which <laughs> is kind of like a fucked up thing to. Uh, um, that was a funny thing there. But um, okay, so you you mentioned incongruity. So I read about seventy pages of that book. You ready, right now? Now you yeah. feel you feel it, right? It's like holy shit, what the fuck? Oh yeah. Well, um, no, I think no, I I appreciate you passing that along because, you know, I I don't I don't pretend to think. I mean, I think I'm pretty good and i'm on a good trajectory but like yeah. you know i don't pretend like i like i know everything and this is what i and i was even thinking about swallowing my pride and you know do you know reading something like this or mm-hmm. to get better because um yeah you just work to be it's continually continual thing yeah growing stand up yeah. so uh yeah i i skipped a little bit at the beginning when he was just like giving you the introduction about yeah, like, yeah. you know that, all that stuff but uh Excuse me. The um, breaking it down like um, Mister X and you, you mentioned incongruity. That was like yeah. I mean, it was perfect. so. I, I guess like when you read something like that, that joke writing book, how do you implement it? Uh, okay. So this is interesting. So basically, uh, there's okay. So he does talk about this acronym. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and and he he basically gives you like the just the basics of just like target. Um, exaggeration, uh, surprise, teaser, right? So that was the whole acronym. And I think what the breakdown is supposed to do is supposed to give you an idea of like, oh, all their premises and stuff that you look at, it helps you break it down to being like, okay, wait, here's the target of the subject. Here's the, you know, uh, here's where I want to go with the exaggeration. Here's what I want to do with like, mm-hmm the real like realism but mm-hmm. i think it's good because once you know kind of like how you are on stage a little bit mm-hmm. then you start implementing those things and then you get to play around with it more so mm-hmm. for me specifically when it comes to like writing it um i actually have i have two notebooks right i have a notebook that's the finished product of a joke oh, and then wow. i have the notebook that's just like me scribbling down because I, I would love to type it up and everything, but I, I realize like pen to paper is always the best mm-hmm. and it's always the hardest because when you're like writing ideas, let's say you're on your phone, you see something, it's always easy because it always comes free flowing at first. Mm-hmm. But then when you go to pen to paper, it forces your mind to slow down because we operate with technology all the time. Mm-hmm. So when you take pen to paper, it actually becomes way harder because you need to slow down and start thinking about the process of like, all right, so I have, um, this topic I want to talk about what's going to be the statement, right? Hmm. And what's cool about how he breaks it down is because we there's always a rush to find the joke when the that's like that's not what you're trying to do at all. Hmm. You're just trying to find the statement first. Mm-hmm. When you first find the setup, 
or you work backwards from the punchline, then you will just start, you just have a free flow of just jokes. Mm-hmm. And all the things that you wrote before, you're like, oh, I can implement this. And now you can start thinking about angles. You can think about like double entendres, reverses. You can go around, do the listing technique. There's a lot of stuff that helps you bring these joke styles and structures. And everyone's better at something, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I know a comic who's really good at doing reverse jokes. This person only does reverse jokes. Like, the whole set, reverse, 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 reverse. Oh. Or I know a comic that only deals with, they do storytelling, but they work a lot with double on, double entendres. Like, so when you start seeing that, you can start piecing together your own structure of how you do your jokes. And you can formulize it. And that's what a lot of these comics do. Like, Sam Morrow is a perfect example of someone who literally has an A to B, C formula to how he writes his jokes. Mm-hmm. And every single joke is the same way. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's like, statement, then he does a reverse into a double entendre as a punchline that brings it together and then he brings it back to a callback and then he'll go that same structure over and over again. So you're, when you're writing and you're basically have a notebook where you're stream of consciousness writing, but when you get something that you think is good, like maybe, because a lot of times when I think of a joke, it starts with something I say in conversation and I write that down and then I go back and try to figure out something later. So you, would take something like that, but you would go through that. I think it was teaser that little. Uh, yeah, little teaser. Bit, yeah, and, and then you you would try to set go through that like a checklist. All right, all right. Try to figure out. Well, I forget what. Yeah. Well, so at first, at first, yeah, it was kind of like all right. I would just see like all right. Here's what's an example of a target. Like the exercises mm-hmm. in the book is really what helps, mm-hmm. but but I think like really it's like you first try to identify what you're looking at through your stream of consciousness. Mm-hmm. But really it's like, you're looking for that, that statement that really says what you're trying to say, you know, like your point, mm-hmm. you know, like, so like I'm working out a bit right now. That's like, um, uh, I think I tried it yesterday. It was like, Oh, I found out that my friends don't, uh, I found out that I'm not important in my friend group because we were all drunk. We were all drunk walking down and, and I said, Hey, can we tie my shoe? As I bend down to tie my shoe, I'm like, my friends are, all right, bet. As I bend down to tie my shoe, my friends kept on fucking walking, which yeah. was one of those things that's, like, so minute, but it's so, like, oh, yeah, that shit makes me feel like shit. Like, why are you still walking? So, like, you get to then piece it together that way. And then once you find, like, the the premise and the, the, the you know, the specific specificity of what you're talking about, then the joke can come by. And then you can start manipulating the, the into a joke, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, it really is, I feel like the hardest part about all of it is when you, you're finding your angle, and then when you find your angle, because anyone can make a joke, honestly, like a lot of comedians, I mean, not every, 90% of com- comedians don't know how to write a joke, but a lot of, uh, like, the people who do can make a joke into anything. So at that point. Yeah, he, he was mentioning that in the book about how even Seinfeld doesn't even know why jokes work. Um, yeah. <laughs> And I want to believe after like doing it since 1976, I think Seinfeld kind of knows what he's doing up there. Probably now he does. Yes. Now he does, but for sure. Um, well, if you watch comedian, um, sorry, my sinuses are killing me. Um, Norris. If you watch comedian, I mean, he was as insecure as um, um, an open micer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean, but uh, um, so do you? Th- so is this what like you were mentioning Sam Morell? 
Now, no comic has ever told me, like, yeah, I go through this, like, joke structure. Like, no one, I've never met anyone speak about comedy the way you do in terms of, like, how methodical you are. Do you, are there other comics you talk to that... that so, like this, this is the thing about comics, right? They don't They don't show their hand until they see that you know something. So, that's basically what happens with a lot of comics. So, at first, you're just sitting there, and like, hey... But now, like, I'm at, let's say I'm at Greenwich or I'm at Broadway and we're just talking and all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm trying to work on this joke. I'm trying to do a little reversal, then do this. And then they'll be like, oh, you're talking about it? Okay. And then they'll start talking to you back in that language. So there's not uh, necessarily going to be like, they're gonna, they're not going to, they're not going to just open up to it because if you don't have the knowledge of it, then what's the point of talking to you about it, you know? Okay. But I, I think I get, I get what you mean. Yeah. But, but generally, yeah, this, this is a, this is all, every so many this is literally all the top comics they're all doing this and when you when you and when you finish reading it um a really fun you know mac o'hara yeah yeah he gave me a really good advice um he he basically was just like oh, maybe this is like this is too much inside baseball but he's like he's like yeah dude what you want to do is that they have all the transcripts of all every single special like out in the world you oh, can I see go where this is going so then you just going. go in, right? You look at it, and for practice, you go through the script, and you literally circle what they're doing, what kind of jokes they're doing, how they're doing it. Mm-hmm. So you're, like, revising, perfecting. You're editing and looking at, like, perfected work to help you understand it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was just watching... Um, um, I was just watching uh, uh, Sebastian on a Scalco's uh, oh, man. special and was thinking about that. <laughs> He's, like, one of the only comics not only comics but there are very few comics that do slapstick and do it right his act outs are incredible mm-hmm. um he just he does literally set up punchline act out that's his whole thing mm-hmm. set up punchline act out and he just and then some people are just that talented you know they can just do that it's insane yeah yeah no i think he definitely is you know i had seen him in concert. Oh, really? Do this at um, at um, at the Barclays Center. This mm. this special uh, back in in March. The only thing was, I had COVID at the time. I didn't realize that that's what it was oh. at the time. So it kind of overshadowed my enjoyment of the uh, of the show. Okay, which kind of pissed me off um, <laughs> at the time. But that was uh, pretty interesting. Okay, cool. So you're telling me that all these guys think like oh yeah, they think yeah, like yeah. It, this is literally like the book. The, this is the holy grail to like make you understand really comedy. Like someone yeah. passed it to me, and I'm very fortunate. And then like because from there I was like oh my god, like literally I was like holy shit, I've been doing this all wrong. And then it's like I kept all the good stuff from each side, and then kept on going, you know. Yeah, isn't it? It's. I mean, I know what you're just thinking. It was like, holy shit! Now I have the answer. But I mean, you know, you weren't doing poorly, Julian. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I think. I think it was this. I think it was like, uh, sure, I wasn't doing poorly, but it's like, you need. You could. You need a system, right? To system standardization to be effective consistently, because this is like what it is like. You know, some clubs, if I'm going to show up at a club and I perform, I don't want to put on a performance where it's like whack. And even if, let's say I'm sad, I'm tired, I'm not feeling it, you know, this is part of it. It's like a job. So I have to be mm-hmm. able to go up 
perform, regardless of how I feel, regardless of what's going on, and kill a room. That's just like my job as a stand-up, you know? Yeah, I mean, imagine being an actor on Broadway and not really <laughs> feeling like being the lead in, I don't know, Family of the Opera, you know? Oh, my for, God, dude. I You know what's crazy about those people? Like, I imagine, because we get up, we go to sleep, and we wake up, and we go to stand-up, and it's a lot of fun for us. Yeah. Uh, opera people, they get up, like, after <laughs> acting, like, for three, four shows, they get out at, like, two and they sleep in. You know, they're just not themselves, bro. Like they, they're like in. They have to be like you're more in character throughout the week than not. You know. Yeah. It's scary. I Broadway actors scare the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah, no, they, uh, they're also crazy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. All actors are crazy. Uh, they're worse <sighs> than comics because at least comics, you know, they're cool with being themselves a little bit. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's funny. Like after. Comics, comics tend to be the most insecure people, but insecure in their security. In they're like insecure at first, and then they learn how to use that to become secure. And then so, it like you're crazy for sure, but you end up actually not being like a um, you, you end up being more your true self. So, mm-hmm. stand up is an animal, man. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um, let's I guess let's talk about a little bit about clubs and the uh, uh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So, I mean, again, you you got that. I was telling you yesterday. You're you're very fortunate in the amount of stage time you're getting. It looks like you're crushing it. You know. <laughs> so what more could you want? I you know I but the thing is right is that like you stay you you get up you do you do time and it's good right and it's like I'm obviously I'm not knocking it like I'm very happy I get to still do mics I get to go do around shit you know it's it's good but then you get presented. With you get you, you get surrounded by people who've been doing it for a while and like more seasoned vets, and I think that's what really helps, you know. Because now I'm like, okay, why I've gotten way better. Like now, now that I can confidently go to a mic and do something, and then even if I like, even if I go there and the room's dead and it's whatever, I know that my jokes will do well enough where like someone, someone I'll never meet ever, I've I've never met before will come up to me and be like, yo, really good set, man. I like your joke about this. I can guarantee that every time because I'm doing the work and getting the time in, you know. But uh, clubs is like a whole different animal because unless, like, I've had some moments where I'm just, I just floor it, you know. Like, it's just like, oh, let me actually turn it up to 11 because, you know, you want to be consistent. You don't want to always be on 11. You want to be like a solid seven and like daily. But um, it's cool because in clubs, people are consistently around. It's like sometimes the same people. Very mostly, it's the same people, but it starts to cycle in this weird way. And it's cool because you get to see certain people get better, mm-hmm. and you get to see this level of like people doing the same jokes forever. And I was getting afraid because I felt like I was starting to do this category of being this person who does the same jokes forever. But then I'm like, wait a second, let me don't be afraid to make a mistake on a bigger stage. And that's what it taught me where it's like, not even make a mistake, but try, go for a risk. Mm-hmm. Now, ever since then, my comedy writing has been better. And then people who've been around me seeing this are like, okay, you're getting better. You're on to something. So now they want to talk to you. Now they want to see what's going on. So 
the whole the whole thing about comedy is just get funnier, man. Like that's the only source of respect that comics will have for you is if you're funny, and if you're yeah. constantly trying to be funny. Yeah, I always. <clears throat> First off, I relate to you in that. Yeah, even my own self, you know, I was trying to do stuff that works at shows, but at the same time, I didn't want to get stuck doing the same jokes over and over. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> Um, so I always try to put in one newer, newer joke <laughs> every show I'm on. So at least like I feel like I'm taking a risk. Yeah. And people can say like, okay, yeah, he's still writing. It's, um, yeah. But that's like more for it. like other comics. That's not really for the audience members, you know? And also it, it's weird because um, let's say you do one joke like per set that you're doing. That mm. means that you're giving that joke life for what, like – like a moment on a show and then maybe it's like you you got to keep on like trying to give it you got to keep on pumping it until eventually you're like all right is this this is the best i can get it with okay let me put it away or okay let me put this into the a set now or the b set now so it i mean this 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 shit man people you know you know what the fucked up part about comedy is is that people think it's people know it's hard but they think it's a lot easier than actually how hard it really is (laughs) Like, because yeah. we make it look easy. Like, good comics will make stand-up look so easy. Yeah. Yeah, I know but, what you mean. It, you know, it's just, it's brutal, you know? Yeah, I mean, again, I don't want to sound like, I've had a good time with it, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, I've had enough really good sets, you know, my bomb to kill the do-well ratio has been pretty good. Yeah. Oh, and that's going to change after you finish this book. You, that's going to change. You're going to start thinking, like, after you finish this book, you're gonna be like, "Holy shit!" Like, damn, <laughs> you get to You get have a, well, a, a well, awakening. I mean, I mean, I mean, maybe not working hard enough, but I mean, it's like, oh no, 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 it's not the work. It's like literally, this is what this is what like I mean, because I've seen you perform a lot, and this is this is literally what it is. It's like you you have an angle, you have something you want to talk about, but it's just you need you need the the time and also the um some of the structures to be like, all right, this is, what, this is how I'm going to say it to you, and this is how you're going to fucking laugh. So you can be like, I'm going to make you laugh now, you know? So honestly, like, you're good. This is, this is going to, this is going to, I mean, it, it changed my, the way I, it changed my life in the way that I do stuff. So mm. it's, it's definitely for the better. I promise you that. <laughs> well, fair enough. Yeah. Um, so where else would you, so we were talking before about clubs and people talking about getting into clubs. I want to touch on that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically you're saying like everybody needs to take a class to get into one of these things. So it's, it's, it's a little bit like conflicting because yes and no, right? Like you can pop off, right? And then get an agent and then the agent can be like, hey, pass this person because they have this, this, and this. And they're like, all right, we can have people come. And they can fill in seats because the co- club's job is to fill seats. They're running a business, right? So, at the end of the day, like you can, I've seen so many like comics go up, like people who go up and they, they, they you know, they've done it, haven't done a lick of stand up, but it's because they have a big following, they can take the stage, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's just a part of their model, and I think getting into clubs as a stand up is mm-hmm. um, hard if you don't have a following but there's ways where it's like you need 
I mean, you could do the classes and then they'll give you like an audition for it. And then you can see if you can get passed through that way. Mm-hmm. I think usually that's like probably the more, the better way, because then you can know whether or not you are ready to be passed at this club. And mm-hmm. some of these clubs, they don't even like, um, they won't even uh, consider putting you in a class unless you're like a few years into it. Mm-hmm. Like some is like a few, at least like three years or whatever, because so they, because they want, they want good standups, you know, but, but again, if you have 500,000 followers on Instagram and you say, Hey, can I do a spot? And you show them your Instagram. They're like, oh, okay. And then you just do another spot. You do what? And if you're a good standup, Oh, then it's on, un- it's undeniable. Then you'll be able to perform consistently. You'll have a following. People are like, all right, he's at this club, you know, like that. It It's a business, right? So that's how people, tend to navigate and i think people tend to take it personally in clubs they're like no we don't want you because if you do take it personally then it, it, then it'll just you know unless you take that anger and put it into something positive sure but you can't blame the club for not like being like hey we want you to be here it, because you don't if you don't have the numbers or if you don't have it why would they boo it you know well that's undeniable yeah but i was saying like there have even been some Guys, I had to re audition for mm. certain clubs after lockdowns, uh-huh. and it was like they were like wouldn't pass them, and to be like, I was passed here before, like, what the fuck? Yeah, and they're like, just like, yeah, we don't know what to tell you. You know, honestly, I think a lot of clubs are looking for their, their star, but it's because you know, and some clubs will this. I, I mean, hopefully, uh, we're at okay, so a lot of clubs they don't understand what the world is turning into some do and some don't so now it seems like we're in this phase where it's better to first blow up and then get past that clubs because mm-hmm. then you'll have a following you'll be able to go around like that's like what we're at but that phase is not going to stand forever there's going to be a dissipation like of things of how you can get past, how you can do all these things. There's going to be a slowly, a steady decline. But what happens is that clubs don't really understand marketing. And they don't understand, like, how their business should be growing. And certain, and the ones that do, I've been killing it. Like, I shout out to New York Comedy Club. Shout out to those clubs, man. The, the ones that have been, like, even Greenwich, they're, like, they... The ones that figure out where they're letting people, letting comics show you like the new world of it, mm-hmm. they're like you know, they're the ones popping off. Yeah. So, I won't name I won't name certain clubs, but there are certain clubs out there that clearly don't want to embrace this change, mm-hmm. and they're sitting there with like a thousand followers on an Instagram page when they've been there for years. Like, they just don't know how to like see what the trajectory of where things are so again i'm not gonna knock a club no one's gonna like you shouldn't knock a club for not accepting you but you just gotta then create your own new way and luckily in this world you can do that you don't you don't need a club necessarily mm-hmm. to become a good stand-up yeah so for the people listening i kind of know what the answer is but what would you say to somebody like all right what well, well, not the clubs what are the other avenues. I know. I think I know what you'd say, but just for like people listening, I you know, it's interesting, right? I think if not the clubs, just 
collaborate with a comic and produce a show. Like produced shows are uh, highly are highly underrated because what's cool about produced shows is that you can always produce them anywhere you are in the world. If you're at a club, you're kind of sequestered to what the club is. If you're doing your own show, like I mean, we know a few of these shows who go around right now that they're they're in clubs now. What? <laughs> like, like what? Like what's the logic there? It's just like oh, they're making like this individual. These two individuals have made more uh, money by bringing in people than we have at the club. Let's bring them in. Let them use their our space, and we'll take a vig. But it's like so stupid because it's like you're not past. You're not anything. All these terms that we give ourselves to give ourselves importance right in all of this mm-hmm. but honestly comedy is so vast now that like you, you don't you, you can have comics from yuck yucks or something like, like you don't oh, need yuck yucks yuck yucks yeah right like yeah you don't you don't you don't need necessarily clubs to be successful as a comic i personally like being there because i think you get to see how the business operates and you can avoid mistakes on things later on. But, um, you know, it's 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 too, I feel like for me too, it's too early to tell, right? So as things like start to roll over and things, I, I really think that the whole, this blend of producing shows and then having clubs, mm-hmm. you know, they're here to stay, but the benefits of producing a show can outweigh those at a club. Sure. But again... Well- you don't know. So, last I check, you weren't producing a show. So, how come? What's <laughs> the next show you're doing? <laughs> so, uh, we were think. So, I was thinking about bringing that back. Yeah. Uh, because a person I was working with couldn't do it due to other obligations. So, yeah. essentially, like, um, I want to be able to do that again, but I want to do it in a place where, um. It's more. I, I'm actually thinking about it. Uh, do you know Young Ethel's in Brooklyn? Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about doing it there or some some place like that, where it can be just a little more like hangouty and not so intense. Because you know, if I'm in the clubs all the time, sometimes you can you get sequestered to certain crowds consistently, mm-hmm. and so like I need to be able to see more of the world, more like different audience members, different types of things, and have a different style show. So then it could just benefit me in the end, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, because I remember you were going on about that black and Jewish room that you wanted. That oh, you yeah, loved. it was sick, dude. That show was so sick, bro. <laughs> it was such a sick show. Like, it was so good that, like, it was insane, man. And, 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 oh, my God, but the owners of the place, they just, like, I think they were offended by some of the jokes that were told on stage when everyone was laughing, everyone was having a good time, you yeah. know, perfect cleanup. It wasn't anything bad. Mm-hmm. Just you know, it's like it's ridiculous, but it was such a turn time, dude. And the the, the lighting, everything, it was such, it was a vibe. What was it? Was a bar, right? It, no, no, no. It was like this. Um, it was like a salon, you know, like oh. old school, timey style, like uh, barbershop. Not even a barbershop. No, it was like um, uh, what's the best way to put it? And let's say let's say event space, but imagine like carpet everywhere. Chairs coming throughout the side, and there's like a tiny little place for a like makeshift bar, mm. with like all these art shit. It was it was insane. It was it was a, it was a spot. It could you know, but again, you know, it's up to the owners who can all suck my balls. So that's just what's up. 
Damn. <laughs> Assholes. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. So, uh, yo, going to go to see Mark Marin. in two Oh, days. my God. Really? What's your take on him? Do you think, like, he's uh, the greatest comic Dude. or podcaster of all time? Or I'll say this. Mark Marin's been in this business. He's, like, for so long. And he's had his gripes, and he's a comic through and through. Like, there's just like, there's a point where it's just like, I, I, I can't, you can't knock anyone here because he's so. Because I, it was um before Joe Rogan had a podcast. I think Mark Maron had one first. I believe. One second. You're getting demolished by these by some allergies right now, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Keep, keep talking. <laughs> No, like basically Mark Maron, right? He he literally pioneered um podcasting in a realm of like uh I mean in a, in a space in a in a in a world where podcasting wasn't even a thing. Joe Rogan is credited for it because he his was really the one that popped off, but Mark Maron ended up getting the spoils of that too. Like this dude has he's like well into millions, millions of money cuz not only just like he has podcasting, he's doing shows at the store, but he was literally like on an actor in some show, in some movies, and then he just he's made his millions. And dude was an alcoholic consistently. Yeah. He has stories of being in bars, being the last person there, and they forcing him out because they can't. He, he, so I, I, Mark Maron, man, he, he's a comic through and through. That you know, that's just what's up. How, how do you feel about? Um, I feel like I'm going to ask you like a few comics just right. off the top of my head. Um, we were talking about uh, we already talked about Sebastian, but um, you think Chicago comics think he's the goat? Uh, who? Sebastian. Sebastian's the goat. Yeah, I think no, no. I'll say this. I'll say this. There's there's definitely goats of specific realms of comedy. Okay. Right. So if you're gonna do, if you're gonna do like uh, act outs of like mm. a slapstick comic, mm-hmm. you show someone Sebastian, you get what slapstick is. I think he's the pinnacle of that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's him. Then there's the Leah, and then there's um, uh, uh, Jamie Fox. But Jamie Fox does like Jamie Fox is so good, but Buddy. like he just doesn't do stand up. But he's just so talented. He doesn't need to waste his time. Um, so that's that's uh, slapstick. Yeah, he's the king of slapstick comedy for me. Okay. Yeah. What about uh, DeRosa? Joe DeRosa. <laughs> Joe DeRosa is a. Uh, He's a fool. I love this guy. Because the thing is with Joe is that he clearly could have more. Like, he, <laughs> he, he's, like, around all the best comics. He he has a sandwich shop. He clearly is making money. He just he just literally just loves hanging out. He loves making sandwiches. And, and he's, he's a comic through and through. Like, that's the thing about comedy. Because everyone thinks it's, like, you necessarily need fame and fortune to be, like, something of relevance. But really, like, there are comics making bank and you'll have no idea who they are yeah yeah but joe de rosa is like beyond not being known but he's freaking he's smart he's yeah. like he's like the, the the bartender comic that like all the comics flock to like all the best comics if you're in new york you go to joe's place mm-hmm. and just like hang out it's crazy yeah yeah it's uh i thought about doing that myself you know yeah get an income stream because that feels like what you got to do now um yeah, no, he he did one. I was watching a little bit of his stand up. First off, I never heard him speak before. 
<laughs> I heard what heard his name. I saw him once at Gotham. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. I just thought he was gonna be a little bit weird. I don't know. No, so weirdo. No, but no, he's like a he's a, a legitimate, fairly normal, level-headed dude. <laughs> yeah, he's very normal, actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was. But gonna he's be funny. First, no, no, he is. Um, he had one joke about anxiety that I thought <laughs> was uh, that. Uh, and I don't know if, he, if this was a special that he did, but it was on Comedy Central. He was like in a room too, with like a bunch of mirrors that looked like a surrealist art. <laughs> it was That's wild. anxiety right there. That's yeah, crazy. yeah. No, no. I thought it was actually really interesting. Anyway, but that's uh, kind of <laughs> crazy. Uh, well, before we wrap it up, anything else you want to talk about? Um, I think we covered a lot. I think yeah, I think we covered all our bases. Uh, <laughs> and generally speaking, you know, you'll find me at Broadway, Greenwich Comedy Club, all that stuff. And uh, I'm going to be bringing back my podcast. I've been trying to figure out what it was, and I've been thinking about it for so long. But it's going to be coming out. It's going to be called Juju's Bazaar. Uh, <laughs> so I get to be all weird. I, it's going to be a space for me to be completely 100% Juju. And it's going to be a bunch of the Juju effect. Where it's a Yeah, so, you know, listening. Uh, this should start popping off uh, this week. And you start seeing some episodes. Just follow me on Instagram at Juju February. Wait, wait! Before we sign off, though, uh, so what's it gonna be though? Is it gonna be you doing um, so stuff that's gonna hurt you, or no, no, no? It, it's it's like before, no. Basically, it's gonna be um, a show where I pitch ideas that are very specific, mm-hmm. or dumb ideas that I believe to be true to be right. So, like, mm-hmm. I have an idea where it's like, you know, it's like for me to lose weight, I get a date, so you get a date to lose weight. So all the things that I do, like, okay, you want to impress this lady, so you got to drop, like, 10 pounds. So, like, all of these, like, either bad advices, bad, like, uh, investments, all these things that were pictured as bad, mm-hmm. but I actually try to just argue that they're actually really good ideas, just people don't know how to use them. Oh. Effect. Interesting. Okay. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, we look forward to seeing that. Okay. Yes. All right. Thanks so much, Juju. All right. Be well. No worries. Get some tissues, brother. (laughs) Yeah. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Really Smart Podcast as much as we (laughs) enjoyed recording it. Remember, you can listen to previous episodes on TommySmart.com or wherever you get your pods. Follow Tommy at Really Smart Comedy on all the socials. Come back next week for more bullshit.